episode 19 of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican with Editor-in-Chief Joe LaTemplio, Night Editor Ben Rowe, I am Sports Editor Joey LaFranca. Our vocal cords are rested from our Thanksgiving break from the podcast, but we're back. How we doing? Joey Bats, doing good? Ben? You know you're a professional podcast when you take a holiday break. That's right, yes. We at least like to think that. But a lot has happened in the past two weeks. We are through step one of the, the holidays, and uh, Thanksgiving is done. And it was a weird holiday, to say the least. But, Joe, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, it was good. It was just me and my wife and our two daughters were home together. My mm-hmm. daughters had gotten here, like, Almost three weeks prior to Thanksgiving, so they were well quarantined, and okay. uh, we didn't violate any travel measures or anything, and, Good. and we were alone. And then uh, this past Saturday, my daughter and I drove to Portland, Maine, mm-hmm. to get her belongings from her apartment as she moved back home with us, mm-hmm. packed up. And turned around and came back. That was a long day. And you made a significant donation of a dresser. Yes, we did. She couldn't fit the dresser in the car, so we gave it to the uh, uh, group that uh, does Habitat for Humanity. There we go. I believe. But somebody said to me the other day when they found out I was in Maine, they're like, oh, did you have lobster? You don't have to have lobster every time you go to Maine. Yes, you do. It's law. It's It's like when you go to Idaho, do you have to have potatoes? When I went to Kentucky, I had Kentucky Fried Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's almost an insult, though, when you go to Kentucky and you have KFC. I feel like you should just be having some good fried chicken. I will say that was like the worst KFC. It's like it's like when you it's like it's like when you're Michael Scott and you go to New York City and you say you're going to have a New York slice, but you go to Sbarro's. Also, when we flew back and stopped in Philadelphia, I had to get Philly cheesesteak. Philly cheesesteak, mm-hmm. of course. Oh, yeah, that's the good mm-hmm. stuff. I don't remember that one either, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when you come to Plattsburgh, you got to have a Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> and, and speaking of New York City, when you're in Manhattan, you got to stop at a hot dog cart vendor. Oh, absolutely. And get a, a dirty water hot dog. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But My, wait, so you didn't have any lobster? Did not have any lobster. I you remember. Have at least a lobster roll. Oh, those are good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when I was um, probably 10, maybe 11, uh, my mom and dad and I went up to Maine, and I remember having uh, a meal at the Maine. It was literally called the Maine Diner, and they had the best corn muffins ever. And mm. it was it literally just went for the corn muffins. And we were there for... About a week, I'd say, and we went there every single day for breakfast. It was it was really, really good, to say the least. Um, no doubt. All that stuff in Maine, obviously, is a great place for lobsters, which reminds me of a story. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. 1993, I believe it was, Okay. when the uh, base, Federal Base Realignment Closure Commission voted to close Plattsburgh Air Force Base. Yep. This the press Republican sent me on a, a nationwide trip to visit um, towns that had Air Force bases closed on them to okay. see how they responded. And one of them was in Bangor, Maine. Dow Air Force Base had closed in 1968, 69. So I went to Bangor, Maine. I was there for three days. And, of course, when you're on the company, you're on 
travel, you expense account. Yeah, sure. So I had a lobster. <laughs> Bob Grady, the managing editor, found out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what are you doing charging the company for a lobster? I said, I'm in Maine, for crying out loud. <laughs> These things are 10 cents a piece. Exactly. And, of course, Bob, in his uh, only way Bob can do it, I wound up, Ben Rowe, as a... A subject of a Bob Grady column. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that. <laughs> about Having been the subject of my own Bob Grady column. <laughs> I I know whenever when so whenever I've been on the road for sports, especially you know my my biggest trips that I've made have been to Middletown for the boys soccer final four and championships in the past couple of years, and and as well Syracuse last year when I went to the Carrier Dome. But when you can have uh, the expenses paid and you can treat yourself a little bit, but not too much, obviously, you might as well. So if you wanted to have a lobster that day, you have a lobster. <laughs> I know when I was down in Middletown, there was this uh, great little place. It was actually in New Jersey. Middletown's pretty close to the New Jersey border. I actually stayed in New Jersey. Um, and there was a place that had the most magnificent chicken parm ever. Mm. And had the chicken parm, had a little salad, even grabbed a slice just because, you know, you got to grab a slice sometimes. Had that the next morning for breakfast, meal of champions, and uh, was ready to go for the second day of the tournament that day. But, yeah, I mean, anytime you can have the expenses paid, you might as well. <laughs> ben, you're not really out of the office too much. You can't really enjoy the, the expense the expense reports. I can't. I enjoy the um, expenses of pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which has become a staple. It's Absolutely. become a very big staple. I wonder how much, like, if we actually did the math, how much pizza we've had this year. It's probably absurd. We could figure it out. Yeah. It's pro- it's it's interesting. Since the, a week of per pizza since the pandemic began? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of that, before we get into more of the news topics, because this will be a little transition, um, as I was going through one of the things that I'm going to be doing for sports through the month of December and into actually right up to the new year, I'm going to be doing the top 20 sports moments and newsworthy moments as well. They're not always going to be good, especially in 2020, which everybody can understand, but I'm going to be doing the top 20 Sports moments of 2020. Each uh, there will be one moment released each day for the next, you know, however many t- 20 days leading up to uh, New Year's. Um, but as I was going through that, I I got to the month of March, and it is really crazy what happened in March. Like when we look back on it, we went from in the sports world, sectional basketball games to the following week, everything postponed or canceled or things of that nature. And it, it's it's really eerie. You know, I said it when I made the pod, uh, when I made these uh, designs for these pages, I said to myself, these are going to be historical pages down the road. And even looking at them, even looking at them, what, you know, nine months later, it's already, it's just eerie to look at. Really eerie. Yeah, it sure is. And, and it, it's a lot of the same thing we talked about in today's editorial about the feeling, and I think we talked about this on last week's po- or the week before podcast mm-hmm. as well. The feeling of COVID when it first happened was much different than it is now, um, which is uh, kind of striking because it's now is worse than it was back then. Yeah, <laughs> we there should be more urgency and more uh, heightened awareness. Um, well, it's fatigue. That's part of it, and um, like you said, um, the summer we kind of got complacent. 
you know, we were outside. It was nice, and the numbers were low. Yeah. Um, and and suddenly this, it strikes back and hits you again, and it's like, whoa. Worse than <laughs> ever, which is, in fairness, that's what all the experts were mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. It's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be bad. I feel like everybody just didn't want to admit it or, like, kind of acknowledge it just because... To a certain extent, we we know what happened in in March and, and April. It was it was bad. Yeah, and and, and now we are um, tomorrow. We'll be one week out from Thanksgiving, and the predictions about Thanksgiving were also dire. Um, it could be a super spreader. It could be bad. Maybe we'll start to see results of that. You know, starting tomorrow, the next few days. Yeah. So far. Today in Clinton County, the dashboard looked pretty good. The numbers were, weren't bad at all. And I think in Franklin uh, County as well. Yeah, for for, for the for what they've been the past couple of weeks, yes. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, going into this weekend, though, it could change drastically, quickly. Yeah. But then the biggest important thing is the fact that, as people have been saying, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and compared to most other things, we actually know kind of when this might be wrapping up in a way it's hard to word that correctly it'll, but it'll with be, the it, vaccine it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what happens with the vaccine um i just hope everyone realizes that the vaccine is great and all but it's not going to just all of a sudden wipe this forever mm. um and we're still going to have to we're still going to basically i mean here we go you ready for a cliche Go. Just because oven mitts exist don't mean you can just grab a hot pan and pull it out with your hand. You have to still wear the oven mitt. You have mm-hmm. to utilize the tools and you have to use your head when it comes to the COVID. Uh, when you use your head when it comes to COVID, you still have to take all the precautions. You can't just be all willy nilly. Oh, I have a, I have a vaccine now. I'm good. Because um, it's going to still take a while for everybody to get the vaccine. It's not going to be like just tomorrow everybody's going to have the vaccine. No, we have to continue to practice good uh, good habits. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to know. I wonder what the percentages are. Because when this thing started, and even now, you have a certain percentage of people that will follow the rules and do the right thing yeah. no matter what. You have a certain percentage of people that just, oh, this is ridiculous, I'm not doing that. Sure. Then you have another percentage that's, Maybe in between. I wonder how many people of those in between group are going, which way they're going. Yeah. Are they going towards the, yes, we're going to do the right thing, or are they siding with the, no, this is a conspiracy thing? Yeah, it'd be really cool to see. I forget what the group is that takes like major polls of like how the people are thinking, but see the shifts of, I'm going to follow the rules in March versus I'm going to follow the rules in like November. <laughs> I yeah. wonder. I wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should look into that mm. if yeah. somehow. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I guess that kind of brings me to a segue is that I've been trying to pull this up. Um, is that <laughs> Ben's yeah. literally been on his phone for like 10 minutes as, we, as we've started this, trying to look up something. It's the fact that... I thought he just didn't want to listen to us, John. <laughs> well, I'm sure, yes. I'm sure they're like, oh, geez. We're going to be bored. No. <laughs> Um, is the fact that one of the more interesting stories that I thought was in the paper in the past week was uh, Senator Gillibrand talking about the, her call for vaccine task forces, which feel like we've had about 30 task forces throughout <laughs> the course of this whole thing. But no this kidding. one's important, is um, to help locally in distributing the vaccine. Because we can talk about a vaccine and the scientists and, you know, and reading the stories like, yay, vaccine. But the vaccine is just not going to magically fall from the skies. <laughs> right. It's going to be brought around in trucks and it's going to be 
it's going to take a lot of organization to get this all going. And we all know anything like that, anything, can be politicized, yes. especially in New York State. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're working on a story today um, out of our Albany Bureau where the governor is concerned that in order to get the vaccine, you have to show ID, and which could pose a problem for undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, he and others are worried that this is a way the government's going to round up these people oh. and find out who they are and deport them. Which, of course, if they're afraid that they're going to get busted for being here illegal, they won't get the vaccine, right. which mm-hmm. defeats the purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could have a large segment of people unvaccinated. Um, and on the other hand, how do you balance uh, the need for distributing the vaccine and you know he's basically calling like vaccine for everybody you don't need id right. which kind of makes sense I mean, I, I w- if you're here you need to be vaccine i would i would say so i mean that's a very backhanded type of way to handle things i mean you can't now is the government really trying to use it, that information right i mean you know there are conspiracy theories mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, there's plenty of those I mean, there's a ton of yeah, there's a ton of conspiracy <laughs> theories going on. I mean, but yeah, like like you said, Joe. I mean, it's important if you're here, get vaccinated, uh, whether or not you're here legally, yeah. everything like that. We'll worry about that after the fact. We'll get you vaccinated. We'll make sure you won't have COVID, and then if there's a situation, then we'll handle that. But no, you have to have everyone vaccinated. That's crazy. That well, that's. That could... I, it, it, I'm not surprised, but still, it's just disappointing that that's kind of. Something that we're even talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Well, the thing that concerns me most is the fact that in the average year, we all have those friends where you're like, oh, yeah, I got my flu vaccine today, say 2017. You know, oh, I got my flu vaccine today. And you have that friend that says, oh, well, I don't get the flu vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, and so I'll, in this case, it's like, I don't know, it's going to be tough, is that we have to convince those people plus other people. And I mean, look, you know, as far as that goes, I give people credit. It's, it's kind of weird. You're getting stuff injected into your arm. Like, yeah. you know, I can understand why some people would be hesitant, but it's, as Joey was just saying, it's important. <laughs> I, I will say this. I was an idiot my junior year of college and just never really got the flu shot. And then, and then it was March. I'm sorry, it was April. And I was like, ah, whatever. And in May, I got the flu and it was bad really 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 bad uh, and the flu and terrible. the flu and the flu <laughs> turned into walking pneumonia and it was just miserable I should and get that shot. <laughs> ever since ever before that i had always gotten the flu shot and trust me after that i've always gotten the flu shot and mm-hmm. i just think to myself i've been lucky enough not to obviously have uh gotten the i've gotten the coronavirus or mm-hmm. anything like that and whenever a vaccine comes out Sign me up. I'll get it. Like, because I don't want to. And the important thing is, even with the vaccine, obviously, just like the flu, you can still get the flu if you get a flu shot. It's not just, it's not like a perfect concoction of things that will create a force field that you'll never get a virus or anything. But mm-hmm. still, I mean, if there's an opportunity to prevent prevent from even having a terrible case of COVID, yeah, let's, let's sign us up, everyone. Yeah, in the last dozen years or so, I did not get the flu shot once, and I got horribly sick. Oh, really? So I swear by him. Yeah. And yeah. a couple of years ago, I, I did get a flu shot, and I still got the flu, but it wasn't as bad. Right. It was milder, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, this goes back to the swine flu uh, outbreak in 2009, mm. President Obama's first year in office, which led to them creating the 
uh, pandemic task force. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I did not get it. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember there was if there was a vaccine for there was no vaccine for then. Um, not a widely distributed one. I don't no. Think. no, I went to my neighbor across the street and his family. We went to Notre Dame for a football game. <laughs> oh yeah. We drove in the van. There was like seven people in the van, and oh, like geez. three of them had swine flu. Oh my they god. They were coughing and hacking. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm definitely going to get this. Somehow, I didn't. That's <laughs> unbelievable. We were in the car for 16 hours. <laughs> Did you have the windows open the whole time? Was no, like it, was, it was late in the year. That is really rain. unsettling. You're like, you're just in a just a death van. <laughs> it was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but we, it, I, I was fine. Yeah. Never got a thing. Oh, that's that's wild. That was the trip. <laughs> it was pouring rain. We're in the middle of Indiana. What year was this? 2009. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the windshield wipers on the van broke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we tied shoelaces to the wipers. And I was on the passenger was front this seat. Was it a rent No, it was my buddy's car. <laughs> and I tied shoelaces to the wiper, and he was on the other side, and we're both <laughs> pulling the shoelaces <laughs> yeah. to the wipers. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a great story, then. That's a great story. You somehow dodged swine flu, and you came up with a creative way to still use the windshield wipers. That's a good and trip. Notre Dame beat Boston College. There we go. Even better. Even, even better. That's like when you go to the banquet, and they run out the food, and they give you more bread. and Yeah, exactly. That Segway. was in his story today. Segway. Yes. Okay, do you want me to talk about that yeah, story that okay so story. um today and we're recording this on wednesday and i was thinking actually once we get this recorded why don't we just put it out today you know what by all we'll, means we'll just do it yeah um, i mean it's after the holidays exactly um but then we can do another one friday yes <laughs> every, podcast every, every day yeah, <laughs> every day some people do that um but today i had a really fun story about the 10th anniversary of the clinton community college women's soccer team's national championship in 2010 it was a really cool story just from the fact that um and i'm not saying this because i wrote it um i'm just saying it from the fact that yes the, you are. the story itself <laughs> no it's about the story it's not about me and how many times <laughs> do you have to say that um but this the story that this team had was mm-hmm. remarkable they were all local girls except for two of them and the two that weren't local were still from like from the new york area mm-hmm. or, or the northeast area i should say um, but they they started the season in 2010. They lost their first game, and then they were two and two after four games. They lost to Herkimer two to nothing, and they didn't lose the rest of the way. They went all the way through regionals. They had never uh, any any team at Clinton Community College had never reached this point. They won their regional championship and they went to the national tournament. It was an eight team double elimination tournament. They went all the way down to Largo, Maryland. And they had three games. They they beat Rochester of Minnesota, uh, and then they beat North Texas College, and then they actually so after playing two very random teams not from New York State, they end up actually playing a Region Three foe in Genesee Community College, and they ended up beating them three to two to win the national championship. And I talked with Donna Dixon, the head coach of that team, as well as Melanie Defiat, the assistant coach, and a couple players. And um, I just had them kind of relive the moment, and it was really, really cool. And what the uh, the uh, part of the story that Joe mentioned, and this is the side stories that go along with these championship runs, was the team made it so they traveled all the way from Plattsburgh down to Maryland, and they get to the field that they were supposed to practice on that day, and it's soaked. 
So they practice on this rain-soaked field, and then they have a banquet, and the banquet is designed to honor all the teams and everything of that nature before the actual tournament starts. And they, sh- they, they showed up to their hotel to get ready. None of their hotel rooms other than like two or three were ready. So you had 18 girls getting ready in three rooms, and the coaches were getting ready in bathrooms. And then they go to the, then they go to the banquet, and they're running out of food at the buffet. I guess they had like a pasta buffet or something of that nature. And they're showing up and they're standing in line. They're having to wait. The girls are apparently snacking on these fruit baskets that are on to the, off to the side and just trying to get something to eat. And then by the time they actually get to the front of the line, they ran out of food. So then they were just told to go to their tables without food or anything. They are already gotten all rushed and get, get they all rushed to get ready and everything of that nature. And then they, um, they, they had bread brought to their table, so they feasted on fruit and bread through, for the whole night. Well, wouldn't you know it, they persevered, and they go on to it a national championship. But that story was in the paper um, today, Wednesday, and uh, it was just a really cool story. And it was literally the sports section. Mm-hmm. It was a, there were a bunch of photos that went along with it as well, and it was, it was really fun to put together. Yeah, no, it was a great story. Um, I remember that 10 years ago. When the when they went on that run, it really was special. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna Dixon and Mel Defiant do did a great job of coaching that team. Um, Donna had some powerhouse teams in the like late nineties, early two thousands. Mm-hmm. So, so to see it culminate with that national championship run was uh, was really was special. Yeah, and think about it. how many people win national championships from around here. Exactly, it doesn't happen often. So no. that really is something to be treasured. At the time, it was the first, and it still is. It's and nothing like this has happened since. Um, it, but at the time, it was through the forty years of sports at Clinton, there had never been uh, a team to even reach nationals, let alone win nationals. So. It was historic on many levels, and it was just a bunch of local girls who basically came out on top, and just a really cool moment. And yeah, I, I love doing stories like that. Anytime you can allow people to relive like championship moments, do it because it 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 not only is a great thing for people to reflect on that we're in it. It's like for for Ben, I'm sure you didn't even know. And no. Nope. You know, you have a chance to read something like that, and a lot of people have a chance to read something like that. Yeah, today, it's an so. important part of local history is that, you know, um, as you said, you know, there's something about, well, even I know with college teams, obviously just by the nature of colleges, they're often a diverse group of, you know, some people from near, some people from far, that sure. kind of thing. Yeah. But to have a team that's hometown heroes and that kind of thing is really cool. So. Yeah, and one other sports things that I just wanted to tease. Three Saranac girls on that team. Yes, hey. yep. and I'm sure your wife coached all of this. She did. <laughs> um, and one other sports thing that I wanted to tease. Oh, was, and two Willsboro girls on the team yes, as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> is, so this January, mid-January, January 23rd, I believe, to February 5th, Lake Placid will be hosting the entire National Women's Hockey League season. So hey. cool. Um, they will have a condensed season. It will. There are six teams in the league. And they will be having their entire season all played on the ice of Herb Brooks Arena, 1980 rank, or is that what they call it now officially? Is that the name? Yeah. Okay. So, um, but it's when the, where the Miracle on Ice happened, and it will be the first 
a national women's championship of any kind to be held on that ice. That's also very cool. I will um, say that you could hear Mr. Women's Hockey, Joe Latemplio, cheering the announcement on the morning that it Oh, I'll, that's where I'll be for two weeks in January, <laughs> February. Yeah? Yeah. Love it. I'll be covering okay. it. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool. And I have a cool story coming up probably before the end of this week. I, I don't think it will be in tomorrow, but I think it will be before the end of this week. I interview Kayla Menigan, who is a former Plattsburgh State women's hockey player, who is now a member of the Buffalo Buttes, who is one of the, who, which is one of the teams within the NWHL. And I had a time. I basically sat down, talked with her on the phone for fifteen or twenty minutes, just chatted about her time at Plattsburgh State and what it's basically like to be a hockey player amid the COVID pandemic. And uh, really interesting stuff. So I'm excited to put that together. But I just wanted to kind of plug that moving forward. But before we kind of wrap things up, we kind of did the reverse of what we usually do. Um, <laughs> other newsworthy stuff going on this week, Joe, that you kind of wanted to mention and maybe recap a little bit. Well, we, we, we're in the midst of um, reporting on town budgets. Yay, uh, town budgets. <laughs> you made a great logo for that, Ben. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but well, I always find town budgets are interesting because, I mean, they're the bread and butter of local newspapers. Like, that's what newspapers, you know, traditionally it's, here's what your government is doing. And... But when you say it, it's like, oh, town budgets, how exciting. <laughs> but no, that's like, <laughs> that's how your community is going to, that's the blood of your community. That's what the ink <laughs> of the newspaper is made for. Well, and it's, it's, it's the price. It's what people will pay mm-hmm. in taxes. Um, it's, it was a difficult year, obviously, because of COVID mostly. For most municipalities, they're going to be short revenue with sales tax hurting. Um, a lot of places, a lot of governments had to do some layoffs. Not so much in the, in the towns, um, mm-hmm. the larger uh, government bodies, county, city. Um, but it was a tough year, and everybody managed to come up with decent livable budgets um, so far This for 2021. Mm-hmm. If this continues, it's going to get tougher and tougher, so we'll see. But hats off to local governments for uh, their efforts in uh, creating town budgets this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and Ben, I know you were kind of overseeing things the past couple of days when Joe had a nice, well-deserved couple of days off. But what was how has the early week been so far? What's been going on? Um, luckily, nothing too crazy. Again, is that we won't know the coming wave. Well, I shouldn't say that. We won't know what is to come from the, <laughs> from the Thanksgiving um, uh, gatherings and that kind of thing. But, um, but no, I found most interesting, again, was um, really taking the time... Um, this year, I guess, perhaps out of just the financial situation of looking at the town budgets. And I'm surprised of how a lot of um, supervisors and officials talked about the need to support their communities um, through COVID, knowing that times are tough and that you would think, oh, well, the towns are running out of money. Okay, jack up the taxes and really fill the coffers. But no, a lot of places are saying, you know, look, people are hurting. So we tried to keep things reasonable. And, you know, um, I know Joe has gone through a lot of town budget ups and downs, but I thought that was interesting. But that's the... Yeah, well, a lot of people are out of work, mm-hmm. and they can't pay more taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. And so um, so that's been, you know, interesting to see. And, um, and then, again, as Joey was saying, you know, is that we're nearing the end of the year. Um, we're in discussions about, well, every year the press public traditionally does a year-in-review issue. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this year <laughs> gave us perhaps a bit more of the single issue can hold as far as news went. So we are talking about how best to um, 
preserve the history of this year and maybe something special as far as like um this was 2020 <laughs> yeah no it's a smart approach that's why i'm doing it and well two reasons why i'm doing it that way a lot still happened this year good bad and ugly mm-hmm. um but at the same time i want to try and generate a little bit more coverage daily um because there's not you know it doesn't look like there's going to be too much sports going on for the next month or so it's a little weird too i mean we're anticipating high school stuff for certain sports might get underway on december 8th but it's so hush hush there's nothing um, mm-hmm. really going on it's kind of like everybody's almost either forgotten about it or they don't want to talk about it i don't know um but i guess we'll see where things go moving forward but and a little on behind the scenes at least in my view and again joe's gone through more of these than i have but is that it seems like some years the year in review obviously stuff happens every year but there are some years where it's like huh, what happened this past year? Well, I guess there was that bridge that was built, and there was, you know, this... <laughs> that did happen this year. <laughs> yes, yes. And, uh, oh, there was that fire that was sad, and, you know, that kind of thing. This year, it's like, okay, what happened this year? Well... <laughs> I actually will be very curious to see how you guys determine what exactly makes the cut, because mm-hmm. there's a lot. And... Uh, Joe, you said it last week at one point. You said you've now been editor-in-chief longer under COVID than you have not under COVID. <laughs> That's true. And That's true. I remember even way back when it started, you said we've been at, you, we've been at the COVID coverage longer than we were for the ice storm. And that seems like a long time ago. And it, it was. Yeah. But, I mean, it's crazy when you think about that. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's been a whirlwind for you in terms of, in terms of filling the role that you're in amidst the... All the fun of the pandemic. Yeah, this I, is our escape, and that turned into a lot more than our escape. Yeah, it's been, it's, it has been a lot of time, all COVID all the time. Um, that's the world we're living in. Yeah. But um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the biggest news of this week. What's that? That somebody here turned 30. Dirty 30. Oh, yes. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ben Rowe. Yay. Benny boy. 30 years old. And yes. Ben got gifts from both Joe and myself. Yeah. Would you like to say what those gifts were? <laughs> those gifts were pizza. <laughs> both days. You can't go wrong. <laughs> when you have Italian friends, they get you pizza on yeah. your birthday. That's what you, that's what you get. No, so, yeah. I was kind of, yeah, COVID kind of kicked me into the 30s. and. <laughs> But um, but I guess I did um, almost forget. I didn't want to say one thing about your Clinton story. Yeah, it's the fact that I like how you put the details of the road trip. Yeah, because I feel like often, and Joe might feel the same way. Joey is that when you read stories about stuff like that in this year, it makes you think. Even though you know, in normal times, like uh, you got to pack, you got to do all the stuff to go on a trip. But during COVID times, you read that and like. Dang, I want to go on a road trip. Yeah, <laughs> I want to yeah. do stuff with people. <laughs> well, being, having having been a part, and I'll tell this story quickly. Having been a part of a lot of sports teams, one of my favorite stories was from a road trip. Um, it was my junior year, and uh, at Seton, we made it to the state playoffs, and we we had to travel down to Stillwater to play Mechanicville in a regional final or semifinal. It was a regional semifinal. And I'll never forget, we stopped. Our, our coach, Larry Converse, got us a bunch of subs, and he said, don't eat these right away. Eat them a little bit further down before we made our, our way down to Stillwater. So we stopped, and, and we ate about, a, about an hour down, split the road trip in half just to kind of get the bus legs out of us. And we got back on the bus, and um, we started driving away. 
And Kara's, Kara Chapman's cousin, Carson Hines, was a seven-foot monster who we had on our team. And yes, we actually had a seven-foot player. And, and we were driving away, and uh, I can hear our coaches go, we have everyone? And we're like, yeah, yeah, I think everyone's here. And then we turn around and go, wait, wait, we lost someone. Carson's running after the bus. The seven-footer <laughs> is just running after the bus going, wait, wait, wait. And I guess he was in, like, the little rest area, just probably using the bathroom or something. But I'll never forget looking back. And see, those are the memories from, like, those mm-hmm. trips. I'll never forget seven-foot Carson chasing after the bus as we're driving away. Chased by a giant. <laughs> yes. So that was that was always fun. But, no, thank you. I, thank you for both of you for bringing up that story because I really enjoyed writing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a lot of text messages today actually saying thank you for writing it and stuff as well. So that was a bunch of fun. But I'm glad we could get back on the podcast yes. grind. And I think you guys have a little Zoom meeting to do. Yes, we do. Where yeah. can people hear us? They can hear us. It's, it's a good thing you asked that because I don't think you've asked me recently. Mm-hmm. I don't think we plugged it. <laughs> no. You can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and PressPublican.com. And you can also find us on our various social media outlets. Uh, you can We put the... We post the Facebook. Uh, we post the podcast links on Facebook, on Twitter, and our Instagram story bio. And uh, yeah, you can pretty much find us basically anywhere if you have basically use of general internet. <laughs> pretty convenient <laughs> on the internet. On the internet, on the world wide web. But yes, on that note, Joe, sign us off. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again, and we wish you all a little weekside help.